You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, it's a new millennium and a new Godzilla era. Toho is back in control of our big atomic friend in 1999's Godzilla 2000. James Bond. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome to another episode of the Bondzilla podcast. My name is Nick. And I am Will. And we are back after finishing up the uh, the Bond Eon canon. We're now here to continue the Godzilla canon. And we do have a few more episodes uh, to get through in terms of the... Uh, the Bond side of, uh, sorry, the Godzilla side of things. Sorry, my phone is going off like a complete professional. You, you're just very popular. No, I'm busy at work. That's why it's go, it's going off in the middle of this show because I'm, I'm so like, you know, we're, we're signing up big deals and making big bucks, and mm. uh, I have, I have, uh, what, what are some, what are some appetizers? Serta mattresses. What's the mattress one that all the podcasts talk about? Cloud cloud mattresses. You listen to podcasts like what? What? Well, do I don't you? listen to the podcasts that are like that have advertisements. Like Lunchbox. Well, Me Undies. Me Undies. That's what I'm thinking of. True True Car. Or? No, it's like Me Undies and Loot Crate. That's what loot, it is. We could get a Loot, loot crate. crate. What if? Wish we were popular enough to get a Bonzilla Loot Crate. That would be pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be one, right? Would there be a James Bond? It would probably be like spies, yeah. international, right? Spies. It, would, it would be all the spies, and then it would be like I'm sure there's like a mon- a kaiju loot crate mm-hmm. this month. You know why, Nick? Because this month is the month of King of the Monsters. It is, yeah. We are a week away. Uh, we're recording this a little early, but um, by the time this releases, uh, we shall be a week away from King of the Monsters. Mm. Uh, I am a Godzilla uh, film. Yeah, a Godzilla. <laughs> what? <laughs> A Godzilla joint. It, it's a Godzilla movie. Yeah, that was a James Bond movie. I thought that was the swerve. I thought like they were like Avengers Endgaming us. I thought there was like, all right, it's gonna focus on the monsters. Just but when giant, you get in, just they they're like all like like looking at this tank, and it's just a giant Daniel Craig swimming around. Yeah, or it's like you're gonna find out in one of these Bond movies that they're growing a James Bond from scratch. That's what you're gonna find out. You that, mean they that. made a person? Yeah, out of another person. <laughs> Gemini man. Can That's, we just be a? Can we just change? Get, can we just no no not even change? Can we just get advertisement money for uh, advertising Gemini man? If we mention it enough, the and then movie? harass like Will Smith. I Will Smith. All right, this will be my final tangent. Will Smith is one of these guys where I tend to make fun of him a lot, but I like him in almost everything. I mean, he's got charm. Yeah, like, but he's good. Like, I like him in movies. He's good in bad movies, but I always make fun of him. Like, what what gives? What gives? And there's no reason for me to make fun of him because even in the movie, he's good. It's like, okay, and then usually I can see why in every movie I see, whether it be, or haven't seen, whether it be Suicide Squad or or like Aladdin or Gemini Man. I can mm. see why he would want to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of how the movie right. turns out. So it's like... I, I like, listen, Will Smith, let's get you on the podcast. 
Um, Will Smith as a wh- where do you think he'd be like as a Bond villain? Can you imagine Will Smith at Idris Elba's Bond and Will Smith as a Bond villain? Mm. Oh my God! Can and then can Will Smith do like a rap as a Bond villain? That's the Bond song. Oh my! That's the God. song in the movie is that like it's it's the first time that the Bond actor or like a Bond actor in the movie, mm-hmm. like not counting Madonna. Madonna does not count. No, um, no, 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 but, no, no. They have to sing the song in the movie. Oh yes, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I want him to rap in the movie, right? And then he raps the plot of the Bond movie in the end in the credits. Song. Yeah. yeah. Let's make this happen. Mm. What news do we have, Nick? What do you mean? What news do we have? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got nothing except okay. One thing. Well, that's that's that's. Well, then why not just say the thing? Well, it's not like it's not actually. It's more about this podcast than anything else. That's news. That's news. All right, it's news well, to me. I'm just gonna give a shout out. Real we quick. started this off, Mike. You were like, "Oh, there is one thing I have to say." Yeah, but I was gonna save it to the end, but now I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna do it now. Oh, okay. Because it was a likes. You know, people. I tell people to like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Well, let's shout that shit out. All right, I'm it's gonna news. give a shout out on SoundCloud to cool dude that's his name mm-hmm. cool dude mm-hmm. who liked all of our godzilla episodes really yeah thank you cool dude yeah i really appreciate it he liked all of our godzilla episodes and i don't think he liked any of the bond episodes so. <laughs> well you know what for honestly he's balancing out the equation so cool dude this is a special shout out for you all things balanced as they should be <laughs> well anyway so nick um Let's let's talk about today's movie. Well, yes, a today movie from yesterday. Yeah, from the year two (laughs) thousand. Well, not really. Released in nineteen ninety nine. That was remember when that the Pokemon the movie two thousand and WrestleMania two thousand and Pokemon two thousand. Like you said, was uh, did Fantasia two thousand come out in nineteen ninety nine? It was one of those things where it had limited release. Yeah, like the IMAX release was like December ninety nine, and then like the wide release was in two thousand. Maybe that was like the Y two K thing. Like they're like, well. Like we we want to release these movies in two thousand, but we we have to play it on the safe side, right? Because so the, like the computers are going to die <laughs> once January first hits. Everything's gone. Which, in a way, there are some shades of uh, you could argue there's some shades of that in the in this movie, which, which mm. we'll get to. But of course, Nick, we are talking about Godzilla two thousand millennium (laughs) (laughs) alternate titles are simply godzilla 2000 in the u.s as i said released in 1999 and directed by returning director takao okawara oh man like it just takes you back it really takes you back to when things when we're all so excited about the year 2000 well i mean to be fair like okay so like at that age i think there was a little bit like they oh no it worked i'm being genuine here it it worked when they said like something was something 2000 like you were kind of jazzed and you're you're just like you're really like oh man like it's just a whole another set of numbers yeah like it's crazy we are actually with this one entering a new era of the toho canon of godzilla movies Nick, I welcome you to the uh, appropriately named after this movie Millennium series. Mm-hmm. Godzilla. We've had the Showa series, the Heisei series, and now the we one have, American movie and, and the, yeah, the American movie. Which the American movies don't have a era specified. It's usually all the American movies get lumped in to, the, to the, into the, the umbrella of American films. And then there's like the TriStar Godzilla, then there's the legendary Godzilla. People have been calling the new one the Monster Verse. I, I just kind of call it legendary. Godzilla yeah. versus Monsterverse. I don't know. It doesn't quite. 
Well, I mean, it's just like, we'll see if there's anything more beyond Godzilla and Kong. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just MonsterVerse. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's making me think of Dark Universe, you know, that very successful that, uh, cross universe. Oh, yeah. oh, man, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot wait. What what will they all cross over the face that's in, a, see, in the crossover movie? That's a podcast idea where they just, like, talk about the Dark Universe movies as if they happen <laughs> the way that they should. That That's an idea. Oh, man, that... We could do that as a limited series. <laughs> um, okay, but we are entering this new series. Now, if you remember from the last time uh, we did uh, enter the Hasty series, we did a little bit of a, a history lesson, Nick, and we um, got ourselves caught up with uh, what's going on in the world in uh, cinema at mm-hmm. this time. Um, let's talk about the 2000s in film, because uh, where we left off last time in our big update was the 1980s. Now, the landscape of movie going is starting to subtly plant its firm seeds that will that we've seen actually I feel like now we're seeing blossom into a completely different beast Mm -hmm. um I mean and now we're you know as we get into the mid-2000s like the home media and the formats are starting to change because we have like the HD DVD and Blu-ray race which I'm I'm sure uh you know uh if you want any information on that just watch Tropic Thunder yeah I was gonna say just like your favorite scene of Tropic Thunder I'm that's sure you the could scene go that's, off m- that's most me on cinema <laughs> it's uh, Jay Baruchel discussing how pornography and uh, the PlayStation 3 helped make <laughs> Blu-ray the superior uh, home media yeah. device over HD DVD. Because yeah. I remember, too, I remember like going into Best Buy, mm-hmm. and you would have the side-by-side. Yeah. Here's the Blu-rays, and here's the HD DVDs. Which is crazy, because you don't techni- you don't really have that anymore. Like, I guess you have 4K, but there's more of a delineation with 4K. Like- well, like, it's, it's, like, the thing was is that... 4K is the next step up from Blu-ray, but there really is – it's still like Blu-ray is kind of the brand right. around well, 4K. Well, because I think – because with 4K, you need the player, you need the TV. Like, you need the whole setup right. to do it, but whereas it was, like but- HD – uh, DVD and Blu-ray were just like, which one of these is going to come well, up on top? I mean, top? It, it was very much more, more like, like similar to a like the video game console wars. It's yeah. more so like, okay, well, it's like Nintendo versus Sony in terms of like, which one am I going to choose? Mm-hmm. Because they were both kind of shot off from. If, if the DVD is the Super Nintendo, then it kind of shoots off like that. Very inside baseball for yeah. video game stuff. But at the end of the day, yeah. Blu-ray won. But I just, yeah, the DVD was a big thing. We also have like TiVo is starting to become a thing. So at least we're introducing that aspect of like, okay, like, you know, um, recording, digitally recording media and playing back. Um, in terms of cinema at large, and um, that the 2000s also brought back a resurgence in big fantasy films with Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean, and this year, 1999, ushering... Uh, uh, this age almost with the release of Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. That was that was a big deal. Mm. Um, um, and uh, alternative alternative theater going experiences were popularized, such as IMAX was starting to become a huge thing. I remember seeing speaking of Fantasia 2000 that that was a big deal oh, going yeah, to see that, that in IMAX. Uh, there was a brief push, big push at the time for 3D. That was like the, fir- the first repush of it since like the sixties. Exactly. Yeah. So there was so there was that. Um, CGI animated films were starting to come in. Um, but basically, a lot of it was just technology was the name of the game. Yeah. Here. It oh, was just I mean, completely I mean, changing everything. Effects wise, is just like you kind of have a delineation from stuff from the nineties. You know, as you get into Jurassic Park and Titanic, mm-hmm. and you know these big blockbuster, big budget, big special effects movies. Right. Um, that kind of you you see that growth continue. Yeah. Um 
And I, I also think what, what kind of comes in this era, which I think is a, I think people sometimes forget is I also think this is the era in which with like kind of the DVD and the special features, I, I, I just think like the how of making movies kind of gets out there a little bit more. Well, that was going to be my next point because not only has the technology dealt with the, uh, the making and uh, showing of films, but also that, and then this was kind of went back into the nineties a little bit, but it's like, you know, progressed in the two thousands is just the whole internet culture of film too. Mm -hmm. It's like, we talked briefly about in the 98 Godzilla, the, you know, like roll, not Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin going on message boards and, you know, making fun of Godzilla fans. But, um, but it, it just, the film, the online film community just started, just continued to grow, right. if anything. And it, it continues to grow. And again, like the more of the how and the whys of film. And then also gives you an opportunity to find these more niche fandoms and connect with these more niche fandoms in a way that I don't think was available before. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, ha even having the concept of, you know, message boards for a Godzilla franchise or Godzilla movie mm -hmm. in like the 90s. You tell someone like a Godzilla fan in the seventies that like, hey, there's gonna be this like easy way to like talk about your favorite Godzilla films or talk about how bad the new Godzilla film is and how it doesn't represent the character at all. Like it, it would blow you your get mind. to complain worldwide, <laughs> and you you get to go into the echo chamber. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of like what's going on in general as we enter two thousand. So what's going on in Japan at the time? Um, J Japan things. Yeah, Japan things. Japan cinema things of the 2000s. Let's talk about those Japan things. Uh, because last time... We, we've, had a, we've had a history. I've always enjoyed talking about what's going on with the Japan movies. We, we had the pink slip films, or yeah. mm -hmm. the pink films, and we had kind of all this other crazy stuff, the, the porn, essentially. Mm -hmm. Well, so, because last time we talked, it was we focused very much on, like, those 1980s kind of going in. Uh, n not really briefly in the 90s, even though most of the Hazy films take place there. Uh, but um, last time we checked in on Japanese cinema in the 1980s or late 80s, that... Um, that cinema was seeing a little bit of a, a little bit of a decline. Like movie going wasn't as strong as it used to be, which probably um, in the long term, well, definitely contributed to some of Godzilla's the Hasty series um, earlier struggles a little bit, and eventually it built up in the mid '90s with, uh, or not even mid '90s, just like a. As it went into the '90s, the franchise did a little bit better, but like with like Return right. of Godzilla and Biolanti, not not so much. Um, but um, uh, but this would all change. Oh, and then we also talked about the the budding popularity of like anime and and uh, especially like a lot of those like you know Power Rangers type uh, robots and superheroes and things like that. Um, but as we Super it, Sentai, yeah, Super Sentai. Um, as it moved into the uh, '90s and into the 2000s, that it all changed for the better, and people actually called those two um, time periods like the second golden age of uh, Japanese, Japanese cinema. Mm -hmm. And most of that was primarily due to the popularity uh, popularity of anime, not only um, domestically but also internationally. Well, yeah, because really, again, that kind of the inv the invention of home media. Um, especially influences the the wider world of of anime um you know a lot of those anime movies we get the ovas on mm -hmm. vhs or you'd be able to at least tape trade um you know to tra trade about you know now people can see neon genesis evangelion mm -hmm. and cowboy bebop and, right and you know toonami 
Well, it became and, like, and, and it, it became easier to access worldwide cinema and worldwide media. And I think that the the world of Japanese anime, and specifically, became a big deal. Yeah. In, in the nineties. Yeah, it definitely, and it became like synonymous for a lot of people with like this is like uh, J- Japan's most popular source of entertainment worldwide, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, it's funny because, and then as far as movies go, actually, uh, one of the fun facts I found is that, um, uh, one of the popular theater going experiences were, um, a lot of, uh, feature adaptations of popular TV shows that that's kind of was another, uh, another niche popular subgenre in, in Japan at the time. But, uh, mostly anime was like the biggest, like, uh, entertainment and like output for, for a lot of people that put Japan, uh, on a lot of people's radar. Um, Fun fact, uh, culturally, uh, in terms of film, uh, laws were passed during this time period. Uh, They were presented and passed to promote the preservation of film media at a national and local level, and uh, that eventually uh, became effective early in the 2000s. So I just thought that was was fun, especially like when we talk about like how much like uh, government uh, takes place uh, in like the field of entertainment and the arts and. you know, that's definitely a lot of people would argue that internationally, like a lot of countries may have a uh, more of a forward thinking leg up in a lot of areas by like supporting like, right. you know, preservation and art and mm-hmm. preservation of art, which, uh, you know, I think uh, I mean, not that we don't have that in America. It's definitely I don't think anybody cares about it on a government level. As no, much I, as other I, people I, do. I, there's definitely the passion for preserving media and preserving, you know, original prints. And mm-hmm. even from a studio level, there's there's a lot of it's that. definitely I feel like more artist and industry driven yes. than most other places, though. Mm-hmm. It's more of like if you want to like it, which, right. you know, it. It's interesting because it's like I don't want to get into it too much because then it's like, well, one is kind of opening up the door for the government to have a say in that. But then was the other one is like the way we do it is like it's it's in, you know, it's um, up to us as a people uh, to do it. So we have a little bit more freedom into it. Uh, So um, but all this being said, Nick, um, we are seeing, I think, a, a very exciting era is dawning yeah. on just film in general that mm-hmm. would um th- that is just evolving and and changing things for the exciting i would say but what about our precious king of the monsters yeah because when we last left left him uh, he wasn't really in a great or uh canon state well if you will I, I that's that's very perceptive nick and very correct because that is the uh, that is what i have here is that as this new era is starting, Toho found themselves in a very precarious place with uh, with Godzilla. Like, so l- let's recap where we are with Godzilla. Toho, the last they left off this guy, they were done for a while. They were going to go on an indefinite hiatus. They killed him. They and they killed him. They killed. They were like, we're done. And they made a big deal out of it. They're like, it, that was the whole marketing around Destroya. Destroya, yeah. excuse me. <laughs> um, they were like, we're done. We're dead. Hey, America. You got it now. Yeah. It's all yours. Yeah. And uh, so there was that. And then, but also think about from the Toho perspective. They have at this point, um, there's 23 movies under its belt mm-hmm. as a franchise. Yeah. Um, and it, it, an unprecedented number that is only shared by maybe a few examples. Some actually, there is some Japanese series themselves that have lasted that long. But still, arguably, like that was like of a known name, like a big name that worldwide everybody knew 
Yeah. It, it, very unprecedented that a movie like had that many entries to it. Like right. at and this we're point, we're talking we, about the two that like really have gone that way. Right. Exactly. So so we have that. Um. So and then one could argue, and there there was some feeling at Toho at the time that have have we done everything with this franchise? Like, like have we done everything that we can? Yeah. Have Is we there anywhere it? that we can go? You're right. And and it's also because it's twofold because. They said, do we have anywhere to go? But also, unlike late sh- or mid-Showa era Toho, this Toho is game to make these movies. Like, they they believe in Godzilla as, like, an icon and a series right. that can work. So, they're not – and the only one of the reasons that they were going to go on the hiatus with Godzilla is because the TriStar movies were going to come out. Which brings us to the TriStar movies, as we talked out, major disaster – just not good. Not there. It, it is not good at all. Um, you know, Godzilla uh, himself was already on shaky ground in, in uh, on American shores. On American shores, internationally like shaky grounds, but definitely on American American shores. And like this movie, it, it just took a hit. Even though I think that there we are in a they were in a more knowledgeable time where I think people realize like, well, this isn't even like a real Godzilla movie, and they respected like the origins of Godzilla, but. On mass, it's not looking good. So you have a franchise where, well, we basically ended it, and then, on the other hand, uh, the Americans messed it all up. Right. So again, what are we going to do? The plan was a trilogy. The plan was that, oh, we're going to do this first movie, and if it's super good as we expect it to be, there will be two more sequels, and then by that time, like Toho would, you know, have a chance to take back over. I think we we talked about like maybe their original plans was like waiting till like two thousand and four. Yeah, yeah. Like waiting were, waiting mm-hmm. for like the fiftieth anniversary. Or... They were definitely uh, waiting uh, for at least. They were open to bring it back, so it was always like an indefinite hiatus. And they were definitely, I think, waiting for a trilogy of these movies to mm-hmm. at least finish before they did anything. Yeah. But you have to remember they finished in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. And then ninety eight comes around. This movie is just—it's just—it's it's nothing that they want. Nothing that nobody wants. Yeah, it, it's a disaster. Like in terms of like in terms of like the plan just went completely awry. Right. Well, so, that's what happens when you give creative control to someone who does not care about your <laughs> franchise. I mean, that's just what happens. So, uh, so um, with that said, Toho believing in the Godzilla franchise itself. Wanted to, you know, bring Godzilla back in the fold, brought him out of early retirement, and then that is what begun the Millennium Series and the production of Godzilla 2000. So mm-hmm. a little long-winded way of saying new era, new rules maybe? Yeah, so new long-winded way of saying 98 sucks. Oh, let's just do something new. <laughs> so they kind of saw the writing on the wall, and I think that is what led to production on Godzilla 2000 beginning a mere two months after the release of Godzilla ninety, there's a little bit of a pat. Okay, we got we we, we can't let this be because even it like let's like there's that there's got to be that thought process too where it's like I know we said an indefinite hiatus, but we can't let this be the lasting image. No, because it's clear at this point that there's not going to be another TriStar Godzilla. Well, and also it comes down to. Toho just has a reverence for the character that they just didn't have back in like the the Showa era. Yeah, like the late show era. Cuz yeah, cuz in the late show era you talked about like there are people who definitely like didn't mind making those movies. Mm-hmm. But there were there was also a big part of Toho that was like, well, if we never made another Godzilla movie again, we we'd be perfectly fine. There were multiple times in the Showa era where it was like, oh, like we're doing it just because we can, not because yeah. we want to. Whereas here 
especially with the way the end of the Hasey era goes and the way they develop that version of the Godzilla character, you can tell that there is a respect for, you know, a thing that definitely made Toho what it was. Right. And, and the thing that is definitely kind of emblematic of Japanese media. Right. I think that that kind of functions in terms of, well, we, this other thing sucked. Let's, you know, do a proper Godzilla tale and let's really bring, you know, the King of the Monsters to the proper place uh, among society that well, he needs to be. And that was like the exact mindset they had. And they, they, they were just eager to capture the magic that they had on their more successful entries. So they brought back, as I said, director Takao uh, uh, Oka, ah, Okawara, um, who directed uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Mechagodzilla 2, and Destoria, um, as well as writers uh, Hitoshi Kashi Wabara, who wrote Space Godzilla, and Wataru Mimura, who wrote Mechagodzilla 2. Um, the executive producer, Shogo, to- uh, Shogo Tomiyama, uh, hoped that a team like this would uh, bring enough unique viewpoints to create a familiar but modern Godzilla that right. would work and resonate with people of the modern age. So a couple decisions were made immediately off the back. First, that the film would not follow a continuity and act as a standalone, with the exception of arguably the original 1954 film. Right. Um, and as we get into this movie, uh, it's 100%, it's not really 100% clear how that fits in. Like, is this a sequel? Like they kind of play a little bit looser with the rules, but the idea was like standalone. We just mm-hmm. got to make a standalone, a new standalone movie. Right. Not getting people involved with like, cause again, the Godzilla franchise as a whole has very been all over the place with its continuity. Like obviously the Hasties were all in continuity, mm-hmm. but then like the Showas were very much like. In and out, some of them like were directly related to each other. Other than this, is like, oh yeah, here's Godzilla, mm-hmm. and this is it's a Godzilla thing. So, but I think it's also if you've taken an extended break, and the last movie you had was Godzilla died. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna really do you. You're not gonna do a resurrection of Godzilla. Right. You're not gonna pull a you know Justice League and just be like here here's Godzilla now. Yeah, <laughs> even though we just killed him, here's Godzilla now. <laughs> um, you're probably gonna you want to kind of like just clean slate, right? Especially even after '98. And putting that bad taste in your mouth, like, well, we're just going to distill this to the purest form of Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, one of the other decisions that Okawara uh, felt, uh, he felt that the over the past couple years, especially during the Hasey series, that Godzilla in size just got too big. And I mean, like, physical size. Like, he just yeah. felt like... Godzilla as a creature became too enormous that he felt like there was too much of a disconnect with him and like the human characters. Mm-hmm. So actually, he wanted to reduce Godzilla back to uh, his original size, in, in which it, in which he's a little bit smaller in the 1954 film, uh, because he wanted to um, you know just give a little bit more of a connection between that. So there's not as much of a disconnect between what's going on with mm-hmm. the monsters and what's going on on the ground. Um, Another classic element that Toho wanted to bring back, a time-honored tradition, uh, one that was ultimately missing from the 98 film, not in earlier drafts, but in the uh, final product, uh, the return of an enemy monster. Mm. So, uh, while several classic creatures uh, were considered uh, to fight Godzilla in this one, uh, some names included Anguirus and uh, King Caesar, uh, two names and faces we have not seen in quite some time. Yeah, those are both names of those we haven't learned, we haven't heard in a long time. 
two very interesting choices. Yeah. Well, um, when you think about it, like, you know, there was success in, you know, bringing back Ghidorah right. and Mothra. And I don't know if you want to do that for, like, the big return movie. Sure, you but know, you, you can want... tell where, like, there may have been some thought of, like, well, let's bring back some niche favorites. And Anguirus is kind of, like, a good, like, well, he's definitely not going to overshadow Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah, and... and... Just seeing like a modernized gut and Garrus fight would be very interesting because it's like I would like to see how because definitely with 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 the uh, Hasey era, especially with Mothra, but also to an extent with with Ghidorah um, and Rodan, especially you kind of reinvented those classic monsters and brought them in into a modern limelight. Yeah, and it's something like I would be curious to see with what they would do with an Anguirus. Now, Caesar would be interesting in the sense that I think they would have this kind of like, it would be like, oh, here's the design, maybe similar, but I feel like you could do, Yeah, they they probably would have just been like, oh, we're just going to add a bunch of stuff to him. Well, the benefit of King Caesar is that like the design is unique enough from Godzilla himself. It's like a giant dog yeah. versus a giant lizard. And, it's and remember, like- Anguirus was almost in Destroya as mm-hmm. well. Like, you know, early, earlier drafts had a Anguirus-like creature in that so you know there is some level of like you know yeah. they've been trying to bring him back for a while but I, I just feel like Caesar also has the mystical elements and I wonder if you play with that but it just also feels like like in Garrus you'd probably like keep the design and 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 what it does close to what it was where I feel like Caesar it's not iconic enough where you need to like keep it to like what it was right so ultimately, Toho uh, favored a new foe. Uh, an early development indicates that uh, Godzilla was to fight a. He was always going to fight a mysterious flying figure, a saucer of sorts, uh, that would produce an enemy monster. And reports suggested that the creature would have been entirely uh, um, achieved via CGI as opposed to suitmation um, and uh, would have been some sort of bubble monster. Um, But ultimately, that idea uh, eventually evolved. And two, our foe of the creature, our newest kaiju, our first New kaiju enemy of the Millennium Era, Orga. Orga. So, Nick, we have a new monster. Then mm-hmm. now it's time for the time-honored tradition. You didn't get to do it last time. What What is Orga, our new monster? So, most of the movie, he's just kind of... It's like if the T-1000 permanently made itself into a, like a, a, a flying saucer type of ship. And just like flew around, <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. and then it, it still kind of has. It like, definitely has like T one thousand vibes, like right. in visuals to it. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely sleek and metallic, metallic, and, and like it, it kind of like melts a little bit at some point, mm-hmm. or kind of like adds to itself. Um, it acts as a bit of a hacker mm-hmm. uh, throughout the movie. Um, a black hat hacker named Hathaway. <laughs> he, he he thinks himself a hacker. Orga does, yes. <laughs> uh, and then eventually it kind of turns into like how do I like I guess I don't know. You're you're the one who describes how do the I monster. Describe this kind of like like a. I don't even know how to describe this thing. It's like well, he's kind of like a giant shell with arms yeah like he's almost like the monster version you know what he's like he's like the flying saucer but if it like just kind of sprouted a godzilla out of it yeah kind of, yeah okay yeah, that's, that's what good, he looks like but, but kind of like a corrupted godzilla right like like the cloning process went poorly which right. i guess kind of actually happens in this movie we'll Ex- get to that yeah yeah, yeah. but it's it very much is like you know it, 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 instead, if Gemini Man, instead of like being a perfect recreation of like Will Smith, wait, are you are you saying Nick that you made a Godzilla 
out of a Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah, but it's like if you if like instead of Will Smith being like perfectly like a recreation of older Will Smith, mm-hmm. it's more so like if it was like they tried, but like kind of the new Will Smith was more of like kind of a hunchback type of monster. <laughs> right. Where it's just like, yeah, I, I can see how this is dangerous, but it's also something's not quite right with this. Well, that's actually funny because uh, early reports said that they wanted Will Smith to portray Orga. No, just kidding. Um, Orga, um, uh, he was portrayed uh, via two suits and props, um, all mic- uh, mixed and matched to portray various uh, forms mm-hmm. and uh, levels of battle damage throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, early concept art suggested that Orga was to have a more humanoid design, uh, sporting oversized hands, but um, ultimately uh, that was scrapped for favor of a more Godzilla-esque design, but they actually kept the oversized claws uh, for um, the the final um, for the final design, and actually, um, it, it took a long time before they came up. They finalized the the design of Orga, and it took until uh, effects director Kenji Suzuki uh, approved the design when uh, one of the uh, um, one of the art directors made a thirty centimeter clay maquette model of uh, this is what we think he would look like, and uh he because he never liked any of like the concept art but when he saw like a actual model of it he's like that that's our orga that's That's our our orga uh fun fact about orga is that uh orga's head slightly resembles the uh tristar godzilla if you look closely kind of has that yeah yeah of it um now this was uh a completely intentional design uh, and rumor has it that it was intentional because the uh, artists and effects uh, people wanted to kind of make a little bit of a statement that at the end of the day, ultimately, the Toho Godzilla always reigns supreme over the American And that's one. a message we will definitely get again in the future. That's something I do know about. <laughs> yeah, they went for a little bit of a behind-the-scenes uh, way of expressing that as opposed to the very on-the-nose one later in this very era. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that is uh, that is our big new monster, Orga, but we should also mention the kind of Orga slash millennials mm. who are also act as the quote-unquote, and well, not even quote-unquote, the antagonists yeah. uh, of this movie. So... The millennials. Um, another thing that we are another time honored tradition. Aliens. aliens. You can't see it, but I'm doing like the meme, like mm-hmm. aliens, and I've got the big hair and everything. But like, so they bring back aliens. Um, they are, as I said, the primary antagonists of the film. Uh, they are faceless aliens, uh, portrayed uh, via the uh, saucer that we had mentioned in Orga through the at the narrative. Um, so while the true form of the millennials is always a little bit relative, it has been collectively decided that the giant creature, at one point in the movie, that uh, there is a giant creature that is essentially a giant CGI squid. Yeah. Yeah. Not like not like one that would have created the events in Watchmen, just like just a regular giant squid. Um, and I remember because this thing was in all of like the advertisements mm-hmm. when this movie came out, and I'm like, what's that? <laughs> And so it's a giant CGI squid, um, and um, that is what people have collectively decided that is what the millennials uh, mm-hmm. look like. And it's, there's a, it was like a tentacle motif that plays throughout the movie as well with uh, the creature. Right. And a couple fun notes about uh, the millennials is that uh, at nowhere in the movie have they are they actually officially named millennials. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a joke uh, using that word, but that's it's never. They've never officially named the movie and are actually named in press materials and other like books that came out uh, about it. In 
actually, I think in the manga version of this movie, uh, manga, manga, sorry, in the manga version of this movie that they had, um, they did have more humanoid forms and they formed together to become Orga. But as far as we know, they are giant squids. Um, And this also presents the first time in the Godzilla franchise that uh, alien kaiju are the enemies that, because normally we see aliens being like humanoid aliens or and they, and bugs they send a or, kaiju. Yeah, and they send a, whereas this time it's it kind of implied that the aliens themselves are also kaiju oh, as well. I forgot they were cockroaches. <laughs> and Gigan, I forgot they were cockroaches. Um, two more things before we get into the movie itself. Godzilla himself, new era, new Godzilla needs a new look, especially after you know much debate. Much controversy over Godzilla being not being the Godzilla of of time honored tradition in the ninety eight film, um, being the basketball player Godzilla as yeah. they as they called him. Um, so ultimately, not too much to say about Godzilla in this one, other than he had to really go back to basics of like yeah. the design of what he is. Yeah, the design is always going to be portrayed via suit always. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the design. They stuck a little bit more closer to the classic shape and uh, stance that we know from the previous movies, uh, with some uh, with some deviations. Uh, uh, notably, the biggest deviations are the uh, spikes, the dorsal fins, which are much more aggressive and spiky and have a purple hue to them. Um, actually, also in this film, this is like the first Godzilla film in which. Godzilla's natural atomic breath is uh, portrayed being red because it's normally blue until the later Hasty films when he like powers up. In this one, it's red. Um, this is the first time that Godzilla uh, is officially green because popular, uh, contrary to popular belief, he is never been green in the movies. And this right. is the first he's always time. been kind of a grayer, right? Like a grayish green at if anything. Um, so this is the first time that uh, he is officially green. And uh, there were some aspects of the other designs that were kept, such as the tiny ears and specifics about the face sculpt. Uh, but um, And they actually sl- uh, slendered him up a little bit to give still give him a little bit more of a reptilian design. And, but, of course, the size yeah. is a little bit you know, yeah. smaller than we've seen recently. So ultimately, uh, we have our new Godzilla. Yeah, it's, it's nothing to like, – what would you think of? What do you think of this? I think it's fine. I mean, I, th- I think it's a good design. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's anything like really. There's not much to talk about it in terms of like, oh, it's like does this. It's like I did notice that the the spikes are a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. which I think reflects a little bit of kind of how they want to portray him in this movie. But otherwise, it was very much like, oh, that that is Godzilla. He he kind of reminds me a little bit more of a tank in this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's like he's got kind of like he's like a little bit more stocky in, in, in this one. I I've gone back and forth whether I've liked this design or not i mean the one thing i do like about it is that it separates like this film like like i like that this is like the 2000 the or the as people call the millennium uh god godzilla yeah uh, godzilla or but really meyer goji yeah, as they call in the fandom uh there's not too much really drastically different mm-hmm. it very much is the classic design just kind of made a little bit like a little bit more i guess so as we are approaching the movie, Nick, the last thing uh, we need to talk about is the marketing of the film. So um, with Godzilla being on unsteady ground, Toho went for a major marketing push in the U.S., which is unusual for them. They usually don't take part in like mm-hmm. how these films are like right. marketed. Well, uh, I mean, like again, the Hay Sierra films are basically like you know they've tried with returns, it didn't work. Then they just kind of handed it off, and mm-hmm. like there was controversy about like how Biolanti was handled. And eventually, yeah. they make, they became like you know straight to vhs or oh every theatrical 
U.S. Godzilla film. I mean, I guess there was the like the fifty-four. The, the, yeah, there was like the fifty-four King of the Monsters version of Gojira that you know was fine. Like you know, I, I don't think that didn't do any help or harm for the franchise. But ever since then, everyone has been met with disappointment and yeah. has set Godzilla back in the states uh, uh, a lot. Um, so while Sony had no interest in making more Godzilla films, which is as we talked about with 98, they kind of had a sequel plan, but then they scrapped it. So then that's what kind of gave like uh, Toho, like the ability to be like, all right, well we made them, even though Toho had the ability to make their films regardless. Um, but uh, they still uh, maintain distribution rights. So there was a deal in place that they were going to at least release the Toho movie um, in theaters. Um, so Toho worked closely with Sony and TriStar uh, to build up hype for the film. Um, as this would be the first uh, major U.S. theatrical release in almost 15 years. Uh, the original U.S. poster uh, for the film uh, showcased Godzilla uh, in a slight uh, humorous fashion, uh, towering over uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. In the corner, you can see the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, you know, a little nod at his demise in the 98 film, uh, and uh, sported the tagline, let's get ready to crumble. <laughs> What a two thousands! <laughs> what a two thousands tagline! Oh no, no, okay, no, it gets better. I remember this because to give a little brief, a very brief overview of this, like I remember I went to go see ninety eight in theaters. My interest in Godzilla is starting to bud, but then when I saw the trailers for this, as goofy as they were, I was so smitten by like oh, seeing a classic Godzilla film. And I remember all the trailers, and the trailers um, included voice of late uh, legendary voice actor Don. La Fontaine. Right. The, yeah. cl- the classic like trailer voice guy. In a world. Like that guy. And he delivers probably the best. Like forget in a world. Forget anything he's done. This is where I I personally feel like this is his magnum opus this is peak. of trailer work. This is his peak. So it's like so he does all the things about like he's back and doing all this. And then the trailer and then it's like Godzilla 2000. And then he re- and then he recites the line. If you can't take the heat run (laughs) to this day that is the best like like line like that in a trailer i've ever (laughs) um so toho was doing that uh internationally um and they were also building up excitement domestically at one point revealing bts footage via the via internet stream uh that revealed the new look of godzilla uh before they started doing like the official like a little bit ahead of its time like that's something you would do like today like yes and that's stuff that they do do today Mm -hmm. like kind of hype it up and basically oh it's our first look at the new godzilla yeah well and remember there's a little bit more of a built-in interest uh domestically Uh, yeah for godzilla Godzilla, because remember like people were like in japan were all like very much interested in the demise of them so like even if like the films didn't uh didn't like perform to what toho wanted there is definitely still like the interest in it um from home right so, uh, and so that pretty much brings us all up to date on uh, on Godzilla 2000. Like I said, new era, new Godzilla, but also kind of, uh, uh, once again, we see Toho a little bit more not prepared to make a Godzilla movie, but nevertheless passionate about uh, engaging in, in a new one. Um, so with that said, I think that we should uh, enter the 1999 film, Godzilla. 2000. Hello, Shinoda. It's been a long time. 
Not long enough. I'd hope never to see you again. <laughs> I know. You and Miyasaka were a fine team. You should have come with him when I established CCI. Not in a thousand years. I could never work for a man like you. Why not? We both had the same goals. Boy, that's a real laugh. Godzilla needs to be studied. He's a gold mine of knowledge. Well, you couldn't care less. You just want to kill him before we fully analyzed him. And in the meantime, he just levels Tokyo. Of course not. That's why I created the network. He must be contained, I realize that. But it's worth the effort. Tell you what, join the network. You might learn something. <laughs> it's 2000! <laughs> <laughs> or, well, 1999, I should say. Yeah. I know we're going to make that joke a lot. But, but it's basically but 2000. It's, it's like, you, you name your film Godzilla 2000. Yeah. It's like, it is 2000. Like, so, that's what you're, you're marking it based off. It's the new era. It's the new millennium. It's 2000. So, wait. Do you, so, let me ask. So, do you remember this coming out at all? No. Okay. So, like, no, I, I was all in on this. I really, like, I, I've said this early on in the podcast, but my familiarity with giant monsters was essentially related to reptar from mm-hmm. uh uh rugrats rugrats yeah. yes thank you um but really like my knowledge of godzilla and like my interest in actually seeing the films didn't come until i really met you i was definitely all in on it and i remember seeing the trailers i remember getting excited i remember even being like seeing like tv spots for it i'm like what there's going to be another monster in it too cuz as much as i had kind of like dipped my toe into like the world of Godzilla via like um um like maybe some stuff on like the sci-fi channel and stuff. Like my my real only big feature film was the ninety eight f- yeah. film. And then there was just something about this one where there was just so much about it that like it was all coming in that was new to me where it's like, oh the Godzilla's in suits and it's like the classic like Japan setting and also just like the like, oh they're gonna he's gonna fight another monster. Cause then I was like thinking I'm like, why wasn't he fighting him like of course he, he needs to fight another monster. Like you can have more than one monster in these movies. <laughs> like that's awesome. So like I just remember being so excited for it. But it was also like kind of like unusual uh, like, cause I, I didn't like go seek out like, uh, like that many films like that. Cause like, that was also the age where I had to like talk people into like, you know, get take, an adult to come well, and take it's like, me to yeah, see the Cause that's yeah. like that era is still in that era where like, you know, you either have to like see it with your parents or like your parents' friends a lot of times, or like, or if like you're really lucky or, you know, your parents will just say, yeah, if you're, you'll go with the friend you trust. Mm-hmm. But usually like at that point I was still like, you know, seeing like. Like ninety nine, I was still going to the movie theater to see Tarzan with my mom. Mm-hmm. Like right, that's yeah. like that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So so now so I saw that. So it's I, not that easy for us kids to just go to the movies. Exactly. So I've seen so I've seen it, um, and I've obviously have seen it multiple times since. Uh, and one of those times being the one for this this podcast. Th- this yeah. podcast. Uh, so let's get into this Godzilla uh, two thousand Millennium. Um, so I'll, I'll start with this one a little bit because you know new era, so n- new thoughts. So the way I would describe Godzilla is, I would say, after seeing it a couple times. I our friend uh, Patrick, uh, yes. who listener, has all, yeah, listener of the podcast, listener of the podcast, uh, who hasn't fr- liked our things on SoundCloud by the way. <laughs> oh, he's he's talking to you. He's talking to you. It was him, Patrick. <laughs> it was him the whole time. <laughs> the author of all your pain. <laughs> but um, 
but uh, he he he's actually been kind of he's been following us uh, along on this on this watch along uh, in in a ways, uh, and he actually I thought had the perfect review of this movie, in that it's almost there. <laughs> yeah, like it's not bad. It's almost there. Like there's definitely and and especially when you take in the context of where this is fitting in in the entire history of the Godzilla canon. A lot of the decisions it makes are extraordinarily fascinating to me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there is definitely a mixture of let's go back to basics, let's make sure we're doing the opposite of what that film did, but then there's also kind of like some nods to like that one or like some like, all right, but we're going to like take that and kind of do it our way. Mm-hmm. So I, and I thought it was, it was a super fascinating reactionary film because we're also dealing with an era where they're being reactionary in a protective way now. Yeah. Like, as opposed to, like, well, we just got to, like, churn these out. Like, now we're seeing a reactionary film that is being done with, uh, from their point, from Toe's point of view, like, respect and, like, bringing it back to, like, you know, what we what we love about, like, the original Godzilla. Um, so, in that way, I thought it was extraordinarily fascinating to, like, see all, like, the gears move uh, in, a, in a certain way. Um but the i think the takeaway from that too is that really other than the godzilla design and then maybe a few choice moments honestly cuz the only things that stick in my head is the design of godzilla and the cgi squid that's in the third act yeah <laughs> um and uh it, it it's it's almost it, nothing really nothing really kind of like truly memorably latches on to you mm. in a way at least i at least i felt like there's some crazy moments in it but um this is one of those movies that sits in the favorable middle for me like not bad but like it, it kind of like that that's where it ultimately landed for me oh, like at the end of the day so what, what did you think i really thought like the main problem with it is just it was slow mm-hmm. it's a slow movie um I think there's a lot of interesting ideas. I think there's a lot of potential for those characters that they present to us. And I think like the back to basics idea and sort of the in-raised media type of we're just in a world where Godzilla exists mm-hmm. and we don't need to see the first attack that it's just the, you know what this world is Which I think is for the best. Which for no, for yeah. the best. And I think that all works and I think there's a lot of potential for that, but really it's just that the movie for such a long time is just slow. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of moves along at a very gradual pace and the movie's not necessarily long, but it just doesn't have much forward momentum for much of its runtime. And I also, think it just makes sorry, it a little yeah. bit of an antsy watch because yeah. you're just kind of Oh yeah, no, we're back to Godzilla, and you're just kind of waiting for something to really happen. It was a surprisingly, and this was like I didn't realize it really until this movie, and maybe it's because like we're just like binging them now. But I think, and this leads to your point, it's a surprisingly quiet movie. Yeah, it is. But like quiet, and it's almost like, and that's like one of the first elements I noticed where I felt like that was kind of like a, at least the way I felt was like a reaction to like the last one, which was like a big, loud kind of like mm-hmm. blockbuster and lots of chases. Yeah, and- when we talk about it's the opposite of like 98, there is many ways it is the opposite of 98, and that is one of them. Mm-hmm. That like 98 is the big, like constant action and constant, like big, big characters and accents and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, crazy, like, you know, kind of 
Godzilla's pregnant. Oh my god! And then like a bunch of out, bunch of mini Godzillas are, are attacking everybody. A bunch of Raptor Godzillas. And this one is very much more so like, you know, kind of more of the mystery and right, more of yeah. the kind of well, like I, kind of moving along yeah. and sort of just kind of inching along its way. And I feel like it does have that. It does have that mystery and does have that slowness. But the problem is, it's like I don't feel like it has much else of a purpose for being that way Mm -hmm. because the mystery is not really a mystery it's just kind of still revolves around like just seeing the events play out yeah so because and that may lead to another thing plot wise is that and this isn't necessarily a problem but there is a little bit of i like the idea that a bigger plot happens that Godzilla happens to be a part of. Yeah. Like there's, I do kind of like that structure for like the world. Idea. It gets involved in a, like a much bigger deal than just Godzilla. Yeah. Cause Godzilla, even in this movie, like the way it's sort of been normalized. It's as if like, it is just like, okay, not like a rainstorm, but like, you know, like, Oh, it's another monsoon. Sure, and yeah. we, we like, now we have, things in place to like protect us from the monsoon season. Well, I would argue that they lean into that a, he's like a storm because our main characters in this film almost act as like storm, storm chasers. Yeah, yeah, it's like tor- more like a tornado where yeah. it's like oh, it's like this dangerous thing and it's definitely going to affect and destroy these buildings, but there's a way to we can study it. It's kind of really like Twister. Yeah, it so except th- not as exciting as Twister. <laughs> <laughs> Plot-wise, that's a good aspect to lean into because you do this whole thing where like a big threat comes to earth and then you can showcase Godzilla as being like this enemy that like the 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 humans perceive as an enemy but ultimately is such a powerful force that he is taking on for more forces beyond their control so Mm -hmm. there's definitely and we I think we we see that being played with all the time in Godzilla so there's a precedent for that being set and for that working but it was just a little bit too much of a disconnect where it yeah. was like it is just seeing two plot lines like just plot along like yeah. simultaneously that ultimately converge yeah. but it, with no kind of like it's like a convergence yeah. it's a late convergence you have these two kind of again and they're both very slow plot lines they're yeah. both meditative plot lines that a lot of characters are talking about and talking characters isn't a problem it's just that it just again. It just kind of moves along until all of a sudden, okay, we're at the monster fight, and there's not really that kind of weaving in and out that like the great Godzilla movies do. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so there and and to be on a little bit of like the positive side, um, there is a level of me that enjoys like like those choices and seeing like and and seeing some of the merit in those choices. I actually think for the first time they are starting to tap into like having some likable characters that you can follow i i think like for me at least this was like the first time i felt like this felt more in the vein of like godzilla versus mothra in terms of like the characters in mm-hmm. which i thought that they laid out the foundation for a pretty solid group of characters and i thought that the bringing godzilla the okara wanting to reduce the size of godzilla so there wasn't as much of a disconnect uh between the humans and the monster storyline i actually thought like that was ultimately successful Mm -hmm. whereas like maybe like the actual execution of what all those stories were may may could have been better but i actually like that and i actually enjoyed the laying out of all the different characters and i think i always love in a guy i give a godzilla movie credit if i can adequately follow like 
a character and then like engage with them and connect with them on a certain level. And, and I, and I felt like this movie kind of, I felt like this movie gave me that. I, I, and I always, that's one of the things, like I always remember the Godzilla design, the giant CGI squid. And I, and I kind of do remember the characters, even if they're not as deep or like well uh, thought out as like, I may want them to be. I, I tend to agree. I think the idea of these characters is very solid mm-hmm. and actually does create interest in them for me uh i definitely have had some very fond memories of uh, godzilla human characters over these you know months mm-hmm. and years that we've done this and these don't really kind of hit the peak hank of azaria's those. animal being your favorite mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. no where, the... where does he fit in the pantheon of, of godzilla characters he's got to uh, be up there right i mean like i guess it's dr sarazawa and then animal <laughs> No, like, you're really like you're really lowering the bar on the Venetian. <laughs> oh yeah, the no, woman yeah, who yeah, thinks yeah. she's a Venetian is like all time great. Godzilla. She doesn't think she is one though, isn't that, that? That's the thing. It's like she is ultimately a Venetian, right? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, the Venetian. Yeah, from Ghidorah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghidra. Yeah, the thief was cool in Nibira. I like the. He thief. was cool. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that guy. Uh, the guy who created Jet Jaguar. It's not a great character, yeah. but it still sticks in my I memory. Think, but I do think there's some characters, but I think from like a movie following no, I, a story I, point I of view. Like you, I feel like I, I, I can't get what you're saying. Like I think out of all of them, I, I still think, like let me think about it. Like Mothra still may be my favorite one that ultimately by the end of it, I, I enjoy all the characters. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, that's just because the fairies are in it, but like yeah. who knows. Well, um, listen, let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie so proper. The, so the story of the movie is ultimately we live in a world where Godzilla exists and wreaks havoc regularly. Yeah. It's and, not... and he's been around for a, a significant amount of time because there, there, yeah. there's mm-hmm. basically two different like agencies that kind of look after him and, and basically – well, the way, with two different philosophies. The way they put it is like there is – and also I think we should mention because we kind of mentioned it at the top of the show. There's no explicit mention that the 1954 film happened. Yeah. It's just kind of taking that spiritual successor like this is just a world where Godzilla exists and it's modern day and he's always wrecking havoc. Yeah. Um, so so we're doing that. We're following a couple different characters. Uh, one of our characters is a uh, father a father and daughter team uh, who are joined up by a journalist. Actually, uh, fun fact, the uh, father is played by Takahiro Murata, um, who has been in Godzilla movies before. You may uh, famously remember him as the uh, bumbling uh, business assistant in uh, Mothra. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. I actually did. I didn't know if it was just from something else. He, that was his major role, and he's actually uh, appeared in either smaller supporting roles or, or cameos in several other Godzilla movies uh, up until like even like even movies after this. So yeah. we'll have to. Point well, him I out mean, in the it's, it's 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 a good uh, history for him because he's he does present himself as very likable in this movie. Yeah. So he so. Him and his daughter are basically, and are joined by this uh, journalist, which we get our reporters yes. back in. You can't, you can't have a Godzilla reboot, yeah, you know, without a journalist. Yeah, which so far, like, I think we've uh, we've established. Yeah, uh, you need journalists. Well, yeah. um, but well, again, Godzilla '98 got that right. Yeah, you need a journalist. Oh, in your I guess Legendary Godzilla didn't have a journalist. Yeah, I mean, it's the one thing that movie was missing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, so there. Uh, so they're following Godzilla, and as we said, they they kind of operate as like storm chasers almost. And what they're doing is every time Godzilla comes ashore, they you know 
track Godzilla, they chase Godzilla, and they analyze all the data. And, and they're the GPN. They're the Godzilla Protection Network. Yeah, but they're also, it's kind of established that they're, like, that they they probably have some right to do that, like, and that yeah. they're, their own, they're their own company, yes. essentially. And yes. they're doing this research, and they're going over under the... Um, intention of like we can learn from godzilla right and, like, godzilla we, is a living creature yeah. that we can learn and like we should study him and learn from him as like scientists and humans mm-hmm. and uh, then there's yeah. also another opposing faction there's another that. opposing uh faction which is more of the uh connected to the government and the military level that is um, and they have their kind of hands in different pots as well. And they're like the the crisis center. Yeah. Well, they're like the people where like we got to take Godzilla out. Right. Their 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 concern is like okay, we're evacuating the cities. We're trying to find a way to kill Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, we're our goal is to lessen the amount of damage that Godzilla does. Yeah. And then, um, but then also like try to find like new ways to like take down Godzilla. Take him down and like um, ways to kill him and, and stuff like it, that. It's led by, and actually I had the name up on my phone, but my phone died, but I believe his uh, last name is Kitagari, who's played by Hiroshi uh, Abe or Abe. Mm-hmm. I believe it would probably be Hiroshi Abe. Th- this guy, um, well, just to like break down our characters and while we're talking about Kitagari, this guy the closest thing I described him to was that he is Seto Kaiba from the Yu-Gi-Oh! series, where he is like this very he's like this like businessman of authority, always wearing long jackets and uh like very very thin and strapping. He's a very and, Japanese then, villain. And and doesn't ever come across as like evil no. or mean, but kind of an asshole. Yeah. But you kinda see where he's coming from. Yeah. Like, and so I like he always and then he his basic thing he loves to do is just give these bemused, perplexed, intense looks at people. Mm-hmm. Like anytime somebody says something where somebody's like, wait a minute, and then he always turns to them with like these crazy eyes. And I'm like, what like this this guy? Like and that's another thing. Like that was I always remember this guy. Like I can't tell you too much else about him, but yeah. like I, I always remember he's in this movie. And then also like he has like an assistant who it was the friend uh, of our father from the uh fr- from the the uh, excuse me, the father of the father daughter team yeah. and th- and that kind of gets into our main characters of the movie who again father daughter team mother is out of the picture uh and it's kind of like the daughter is like the one who like she's she's running a tight ship and, yeah. and the daughter i think we should mention is like 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 nine like or a, ten yeah nine or ten uh but it's like you know wise beyond her years yeah. and she's the one like if you want to join us you're gonna have to make a down payment and, and sign our contracts in, and right. everything um I thought this was cute. Like, oh no, the, I, I, I love. I that was probably one of my favorite things, especially early on in the movie, is the kind of connection between the the father and the daughter. I thought the daughter was very, like, energetic and well written in terms of that type of character. Kind of the, you know, the the kid who like is kind of funny because she does all the adult things, right? And, like, kind of is like, which more. is usually a trope I, I don't immediately fall in love with, but it, it kind of worked. It kind of worked one. in this movie. I think she that daughter played well off the journalist who's kind of at first reluctantly involved with with this the GPN and, yeah. and 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 joining this group. And yes, that the daughter does make the journalist like you gotta be you gotta sign up for a membership and you gotta pay a down payment and mm-hmm. then you gotta you know you gotta you know you know, do your initiation into, into the program. And we also have the journalist who's also like, kind of seems like a down on her luck. Like, like she's like, 
oh god i gotta go like cover godzilla again and yeah. which is also kind of funny now you think about it that like godzilla is that much of a common occurrence like that you're like how do i get why do i have to get the godzilla story and th- there's actually a fun little thing where it's hard to take pictures of godzilla because like the radiation that emits from him like, like ruins, ruins the, the film pics, yeah. yeah so i thought that was fun um and and there was a lot of just like cute beats between uh, Murata and the and the daughter. They mm-hmm. were just like very uh, like there's a lot of like funny beats like when they they're trying to escape from the building and then they have like a little back and forth. Uh, remember that one where they're like maybe we should run out of here. And then yeah. they like, start running and like, I think overall what ends up happening with these these storylines is that they just kind of slowly kind of get lost oh, over, it, over the course of the movie yeah. because like they start off they do start off pretty strongly but as this kind of slow movie comes in and then eventually our, our alien menace menace makes its presence known it kind of goes from the kind of contrast of how we look at Godzilla to very much like okay we're watching Godzilla fight now like right, that's very yeah. much like it doesn't really wrap up it doesn't really progress in a very satisfying way well the thread of both of these character like um types and like what they represent on the human level is lost pretty quickly the the issue being like and then there's like the big scene that like wants to vocalize like what's the difference in the mentality between the two where uh, the two guys who um you know uh um Kitagari and Murata they like get together and they have like their whole conversation and it like turns out that like Murata's character he had worked for like the big government so they do that whole thing where they work for the big government but they just wanted to destroy Godzilla and he's like the good scientist who wants to study like, study and, Godzilla and, learn and-, and there's and, and and it is played kind of interestingly because there's a little bit where it's like I mean like maybe I'm like kind of projecting onto it but it's like but you can see where Kitagari's coming from like this is like a monster destroying everything. Like right. it's like it's something's got to well, be done like, about it's it. It's like if we had a we had a way to s- just stop tsunamis or stop tidal waves or stop you know, tornadoes, we we would. And right. again, that's the whole plot of kind of Twister is like what well, we're learning, and then we can stop the tornadoes. Right. Yeah. But, How does it live? But this is, and then this is the big problem: is that none of those elements are narratively brought to any satisfying conclusion no it's just basically it is like once our alien plot line kind of really gets going all of that gets lost in terms of okay now the characters are trying to find out what this alien thing is and sort of the the debate about godzilla fades away and again by the end of the movie and we'll get to this a little bit later but even like the end of the movie and kind of what happens there just doesn't really resonate with with right. anything that happened in that first half. Well, because they kind of, they resort to making Kitagari, like, th- that's the thing. They resort to, like, giving him all, the, like, the dick bad guy things to do so that when he gets a comeuppance, like, you're like, well, I, get, I guess because he like, was, like, a dick. Yeah. But then they also, like, and I did like this part was, like, both of them kind of do find middle ground a little bit at the end. So there is kind of like, well, you know, they're both. Because you almost get the sense that, like, Kitagari is this guy who, like, gets, like, the uh, – he understands the benefits of studying a creature like this. But yeah. it's just not a realistic option. At mm-hmm. least that's how I read the character. Sure. So you have that. But then on the other hand, you have Murata's character who is, like – he. but even him as, like, the good scientist, he never gets his, like, justification – 
You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Like there's never yeah, yeah, yeah. like the and this is the these are the rewards of showing like what his more progressive scientist point of view is other than like discovering things about the plot. So like that I didn't that's what I mean like it just loses the thread narratively of like what it can do with those characters. And, and again, then the other characters like the daughter and the journalist and even the assist, the assistant guy, they're again, they're all eventually just relegate, relegated to just watching Godzilla. Yeah, it, and and there are times where that works, but the way that this movie presents itself, like I would say that, like for an example, like in Megalon, right? You have those cast of characters that kind of get involved, and in like the 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 scientists and just the other guys, and the, the, we don't really know the relationship. But at the you know the way that that movie presents itself is that by the end when there's that big monster fight happening and they're just watching well there's not really much to for them to do so it's fine right whereas in this one it does the way that it builds these characters it feels like they are going to be a little bit more involved with like you know this debate especially since it really surrounds Godzilla mm-hmm. and again it's just they're not they're well, just they're just kind of there and you just kind of forget about them and then they have like their big thing at the end and the fact that we got the aliens in there was initially intriguing. Yeah. It was initially intriguing. I just think that the problem ends up being is that there's just not much interesting about like this specific set of aliens because one, you don't have, you don't have the human element of these aliens. Mm-hmm. You don't have like a representation of them. It's just the ship. So you don't get anything like you do in, you know, like the crazy, like, you know, uh, numbered based aliens from Astro Monster or kind of the the the, the planet of T one thousands in uh, Destroy All Monsters or even the cockroach things. You don't get like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really get a direct way to interact with them. Sure. So a lot of the time you're just watching this giant floating ship mm-hmm. waiting for something to happen as the characters are waiting for something to happen. See, I, I think I'd meet you halfway on this because I actually think that's an element, a new element that I do like. I do like that they make it more of a big ominous force of an alien race. I, I just think like many things in this movie, ultimately what it comes down to is like, and I hate to say this is like for lack of a better way of saying it, it just feels like it always lands on the least interesting thing you could do with it. That I, I, I let me go back and just to say that I don't think that not having the human element is something that you can't do. Mm-hmm. I do think that it what they what the idea is is a valuable and valid idea mm-hmm. as something a little bit different. It's just like it's exactly what you said. It's just every time they go back to it, it just they pick an a very uninteresting way to to go about it. I, well, I, I think for me, it's I feel more, like yeah. if you're gonna do that, I just think you need to give it a more of an initial presence. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just think it needs to be like have its bigger moment. Because really, what it is that it lifts out of the water and then just kind of stands around for a little bit, and then they there is like kind of a little moment between it and Godzilla in which Godzilla is actually damaged by the ship. Mm-hmm. But you feel like you just need it to be kind of you need to give it like that big talking about Emmerich, like kind of that big Independence Day moment where it's like, even if it's kind of mysteriously there for a little bit, 
like that big moment where it's like, oh crap, like this is this is not good. They blew up the White House. Well, and, I mean, I, and I, yeah, and I, oh, that's kind of also one of I see. That's where I also got like some of those shades of a Roland Emmerich movie with like the the flying saucer and then flying over yeah. the bill. It, well, and then even like the the scene of it like overshadowing everything. Yeah, that's what I kind of meant is like I do think that they were They're, taking it, it, some visual but, cues. But and I just feel like again, you're waiting for something with this alien ship to really happen, and then it takes forever. For them to really present it as anything interesting, yeah, like you're just waiting for oh, like aliens, cool, and then it's just like okay, here's another shot of the ship floating mysteriously. Oh, here's another shot of the ship floating mysteriously. Right. Oh, now it kind of did a little bit of damage to Godzilla, but it's back to just floating mysteriously. Now the villains want to use it to destroy Godzilla because they're like, oh, this is the first thing we ever had that really actually did damage to him. Now it's hovering over this building. Okay. Well, it's with, just, it just kind of feels like you're movie, still waiting for, for the next thing to happen. It just never evolves with, until it's too late. With Godzilla movies, you either have to do something very plot-wise that makes it cool, or you can feed in thematically to it, like I think most of the Hasty films do. The issue here is like there's this huge mystery and this huge buildup with both of these storylines, with mm-hmm. Godzilla and uh, the aliens, are known as the Millennials. And... They build it up, and when they do the final, this is what it is, there is a little bit of like, oh, uh, oh okay. Yeah. Like, so, for instance, um, with the aliens, it is ultimately like, like, there's some plot minutia about like, oh, they came here thousands of years ago, but it's like a solar-powered creature, so that when it like rose up to like the surface and got powered up, now it's like ready to wreak havoc. Is but this powered by Earth's yellow sun? Ultimately, that's funny. Ultimately... It really just comes down to, like, we're going to take over. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what it is. I mean, granted, it comes to one of the goofiest best parts of the movie where it's hacking into the computers. Yeah. And it's, like, gaining all of the the data and, the like, the information about Earth and humanity. And uh, they're like, wait a minute. And before they leave on all the computers, it just says Millennium. <laughs> And I guess it's supposed to imply like it's good. We're gonna start a like a like a, a long well, no, ra- a millennium say, long they, reign. They, they, they do say that they, hey, they figured it out that like these aliens take over planets and they're gonna like rule for a thousand years. Yeah. So so there's that, and you're like, oh, okay. And then with the Godzilla thing, there's this whole like science mystery of like what what is it about Godzilla? And then ultimately it comes down to like, oh, this is what the secret is. We can't kill him. <laughs> He has, like he has a healing factor. Yeah, that's really what it is. He's Wolverine. Yeah, like that he like w- that he has tissue that immediately regenerates, which like even like that always has. Like, I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. And like maybe when I was a if this was like kind of like your first Godzilla movie, like as it was at, at mine, completely acceptable. But then when you've seen so much of the history of Godzilla, it kind of just feels like oh, that's what like that's it. That's what it is. And then they give it the worst name, like Organizer G1. Like, they don't even give it a clever name. Like, it's like, it just seemed like it was so meh, like what eventually those plot lines like ended up. Well, and then because there's all these other accusations right now, like the aliens learn about Godzilla and they're like, well, now we have to essentially clone Godzilla so we can get the... Because rep- we, we want to be the dominant species on the planet. And, 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 like and that's- essentially it's like, oh, they're, they're after the regeneration of health. But it really is just like there's such a disconnect in the thematics and the plot progression of like the first third yeah, to half the Yeah, that's the best way of putting it, yeah. And then where the second half of the movie goes... And it just like you just kind of feel like sometimes even like they're kind of we're watching two different movies just kind of mashed up. 
Like, like it is if it's like, you know, kind of. I think you mentioned one time these like Digimon movies were like, oh, they, the American version was really the three movies just like meshed mm-hmm. together. It kind of feels like that in a way where it's like they made two movies, like they made like a movie and then a sequel featuring the aliens, but they're right. like, oh, we're just gonna combine it into one movie because it just does feel like the first half Wait, and the second half are very disconnected in in the ways that the thematics and the characters work. Um, it is cool to see Godzilla once again march to the classic theme, like yes. that'll never get old. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he finally marches up to um, the millennials who uh, they start, um, you know, uh, ki- forming themselves from the DNA of Godzilla, and they turn themselves into a giant CGI squid, and then they can't handle the DNA of Godzilla, so then it mutates into Orga. Yeah, because uh, it's very it's very much it's like they they try to, like, replicate God. They try to use those G-cells. Mm-hmm. It's not even the G-cells. It's, you know, the G... Or- organizer G1. Yeah. They use the G1 organizer, and they're like, oh, we can't handle this. Oh, we're, like, morphing into different things, and it kind of becomes, again, that corrupted sort of, like, shelled Godzilla. Yeah. Um, And then, so, then we get the fight between Godzilla and Orga, which is fine? It's still slow. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. It it doesn't have... It, that... Neither of those suits are very good for fighting. No. I think that's what it can't because Orga's not a bad looking design. And I and as it goes forward, like it's actually like a decent enough creature. Mm-hmm. Uh like but it, it is when it comes to when it has to fight and start like attacking Godzilla, it is ve- it is a very clumsy suit. Yeah. I I felt and it's it's hard because and again, we always know it's like suitmation, and we yeah. always know what's going on. But this was like, this was the first time in a while where it, it like felt like it was two guys in suits, yeah, pummeling it, it each other. It just didn't, it didn't capture that magic. It didn't yeah. make you escape into the moments of oh, like we're watching Godzilla fight. It did feel more on that element of like, oh, it's the fight now. And, now and- I, I, but I will say, but I was torn because I did like the the visual and like the production quality and the design of how everything looked. Yeah. I loved, I actually loved all that. And that was a sense where the more subdued, like uh, music and sound of it kind of worked for me. But I did ultimately, if I were to sit back and look at it as like a monster fight, I, I did feel like, uh, yeah, those suits really aren't doing it in terms of like the action. Like yeah. when it was like beams and stuff, that was kind of cool. Uh, I actually the one the big uh, like I like Orga's claws, but the big design choice I like more is like the shoulder cannon. Yeah, I just think that's like a, kind of like a cool different choice for the uh, and it was refre- for the creature because like also this movie. Uh, more so than any Godzilla movie, features a lot of green screen and a lot of. We'll talk about that uh, yeah. in the in the aftermath. But, but, but essentially, like, that, like uh, yeah, it, I mean, like we're again not opposed to like I'm not really like you can use practical and digital effects. Both are oh sure, perfectly sure. fine. Yeah. But this is the one Godzilla movie really in a while where it's like, oh, these effects have not aged. No, well. th- this we, it's very cl- the way they use the the green screen is very clumsy. So at least again, that last fight has that practicalness to it that like kind of helps out a little bit. But again, you're right the the suits just create another point of slowness in this movie. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like you're again, you're waiting again, you're waiting for that fight to pick up. Yeah. And it just really doesn't until maybe the very, very end of the fight. You know what I liked, actually, now that we're kind of, like, wrapping up towards the end of the movie? I did kind of like 
Katagari's little final moment with Godzilla. Like it wasn't quite as powerful as in Ghidorah with like the sacrifice of like the the old general who like ran the company. But there was just something I liked about that character because the way that I read that character is like he understood the conceit that Godzilla is a creature of nature that should be respected, but he was siding on the no, man has to destroy it. Like, you know, we we have to like, you know, uh, you know, take a stance against it. And there was a sense that I did get from the character that I did like where I think he was coming, like his arc, as it were, was realizing that, nope, I'm powerless to this thing, but I am going to face him head on. Like, if he's just going to come over and kill me, then that's what it's going to be. I, I, I resonated with that part of that character. I think character. it was one of those things where it was kind of a little bit out of nowhere as well. Like, a lot of this ending kind of, yeah. was, was very much like, oh, now he just wants to die at Godzilla's hand. But I, I, I kind of got what they were going for. I, I, I think like, I, I, I maybe again once it's reading into the character, but I, that's what I got from I, that. Character. I think it's sold on a performance. Yeah, like, I think like at the end of the day is like you could. I think you could argue the merits of whether that makes sense in the moment, and whether it not it is just something that kind of more is out of a nowhere. Um, and I think there is an element that it is just kind of pulled out. Like we just need to end this character somehow. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that- well. But also at the same time, I do think that is in that is indicated. That is the one hundred percent indication of Okawara wanting to make Godzilla smaller. Yeah, I don't think like that scene's in there because he, I think he wanted a scene like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then you know, it, it leads into. Well, uh, sorry. I was gonna say I think we we're about to talk about the same thing because you know what is awesome. It, it's kind of dumb because of like the dialogue, but what is awesome is. Some of those final shots of Godzilla destroying the city. Well, because here's how the movie ends. Yeah. So the movie ends, uh, you know, Seto Kaiba dies. Yeah. Like, in, you know, he gets destroyed by Godzilla. The rest of the characters, again, because again, also it's like, again, with that final fight, I think the other thing about it real quick about the characters is that even in those other final fights where characters are watching, you still get like those, their personalities kind of injected. Whereas like in the like last half of the movie, you really don't get much of like, how the father and daughter like their relationship or the daughter and the reporter or sure, like, yeah. or even like the the other intern scientist yeah that's you know I've made a mistake yeah if and, anything Kaiba is the only one who the, gets like a closure yeah of, of it's any like all kind. those other characters yeah. are their kind of personalities are kind of swept, stripped away mm-hmm. uh, so they're all just standing there the rest of the surviving characters and they're watching essentially Godzilla destroy the, the rest of the city now he's defeated the alien menace mm-hmm. and now he's basically like, oh dude no first of all we forgot about like the mo- the craziest part of this movie where Orga opens his mouth up like a oh like my a god how did oh my god yeah we oh we would this would have been a travesty if we missed this part so so at one point, Orga opens his mouth like a like a giant snake. Yes, like unhinges his jaw, and a giant like kind of like like kind of secondary mouth opens up. And I guess his plan is to swallow Godzilla. He, basically, this is how the fight ends. Essentially, yeah. is that he's going to swallow Godzilla, and then again, this is where like kind of fight kind of is weird because there's a long long part of this like the end of this fight where you're just watching. Orga attempt to swallow Godzilla and then Godzilla struggling. Yeah. Like, like you just basically, Godzilla's like flailing around. Well, no, because, like, so basically how it ends, because Orga's eating him and as he's eating him, he's like kind of, because they also establish that every time Orga gets like a bit blasted off of him, he's healing like Godzilla. Yeah. But he needs like the full DNA. So then he starts eating Godzilla and he starts like forming his own dorsal fins or whatever. But then, and it's kind of fun that when Godzilla's in him being eaten, then you see the fins light up and then he just, 
explodes. <laughs> yeah, basically, the that was awesome. That, that was, was kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of It's cool. just kind of a weird visual for a little bit as this, like, again, Godzilla's starting to be swallowed whole, but then, yeah, the dorsal yeah. fins pop up and he... So, it, we, that would have been crazy, but yeah. the actual visual of that... Because ma- I remember when I saw that in theaters, like, me and everybody I saw it to were like, what? <laughs> um, but, but anyway, so, yeah. Godzilla's so the destroying is, the city. Godzilla's yeah. and it's destroying the ending, and then you know, the characters are having their kind of their thematic discussion about like yeah, the end of the movie this but this was like but then, this was next level dumb like yeah, it, this is normal, so goofy. Again, this is like the part like the classic Godzilla part where it'd be like oh and if we if we destroy nuclear weapons but it wasn't that well oh this this went above and beyond i actually don't know if i love it or if i hate it do you, like do you kind of like remember the it's basically it? like you know they're talking about like what godzilla is and like how it's we're responsible for godzilla we're responsible for creating this creature which again to be fair is one of those things that was like maybe a little bit hinted at, but it's never we never got a definitive like how Godzilla came to be. Right. It very much was like he does have radiation, which may imply the nuclear weapons thing. But yeah, unless that is supposed to be the callback to yeah. 1954. But essentially, like, like yeah, the reporters like we created this monster, and then essentially what it comes down to is that our dad character is like there's a little bit of Godzilla in all of yeah, us. Yeah, he's like you could say that there's a little bit of Godzilla in all like what? Yeah. Like what are you talking about? It, it did but then it it is somewhat made up for when Godzilla does this amazing atomic breath lighting the city on fire. And what's great, which is spectacular. What's great about this movie the the balls on this ending yeah. cuz the ending is essentially they're watching Godzilla destroy the city. Godzilla wins and then continues to, to just destroy. wreck havoc it's yeah. it's not as if they have a final oh like godzilla goes back to like you know it's not like the end of 2014 it's like think about the end of 2014 because more people have seen that yeah think about the end of 2014 godzilla has you know stopped these the, the muto the mutos and you know it, everybody's like kind of happy imagine that movie ending with then godzilla just destroying the rest of san francisco mm-hmm. like instead of going back to the scene everybody's like is he is he a hero yay godzilla will be back someday I mean, it's more is- so like but but that really it's a baller ending. It's That's an awesome cool. ending of a movie. I actually I I do I have a feeling that like the notion of like at the end of the day we're still under the will of Godzilla. I, I have a feeling that maybe King of the Monsters, the new one, may, may I, I don't know this for sure, but I just have a feeling that maybe that it'll tap into that. But you're right, it definitely is kind of a a, a really balls because the, the credits ending. start rolling as Godzilla's still destroying the city. Yeah. Because you get all these movies are so used to the last shot being like all those classic Godzilla movies is like Godzilla returning to the sea, Godzilla kind of like so, triumphantly like leaving and that's it. But it's like the fact that they they keep destroying the city is just cool. So uh, re- real quick, I have a story about the ending of this movie because I remember this when I first saw the movie. Yeah. So one of the famous things about this movie is that there is the English version of this movie. Yeah. And one of the things that TriStar did is that they actually put money into doing their own edit of the American version of this movie. Mm. Um, and because there was like an American dub or a dubbed version of it made by uh, the studio that normally does it, but like the one that Toho usually hires. Right, exactly. Uh, TriStar didn't like it. They thought it was like they did a ter- terrible job, terrible campy job of doing the voices. So they put money and time into doing re-edits and and uh, different voiceovers for everything. And there's a lot of like. They de- the one thing about it is that they lean into the campy nature of it, which probably diehards would kind of uh, complain about and have complained about, even though like 
uh, Toho and the director actually were publicly approving of it. Like they, they had to approve of it and they actually said like, oh no, yeah, no, we like where this turned out. But um, a couple different things. There's like a lot of stuff like it's actually a little bit shorter than the Japanese version because the biggest thing is like they actually wanted to fix the pacing issues. Mm. Um, and uh, there's a lot of different sound designs they do. They add more sound design to Godzilla and Orga during the fight. They mix and match some more music cues. They actually put more Ifakube music cues in. Um, so there are things like that. One of the more famous things is some of the dubbing uh, in which there are a lot of uh, interesting choices in which uh, – a lot of people say in American parlance, such as uh, at one point somebody says "bite me" as a uh, insult. Um, another person uh, says "great Caesar's ghost" as like the whole like "oh my god," yeah, <laughs> because they were going to say Jesus Christ, but they didn't want to uh, exclude anybody religiously, so they said "great Caesar's ghost." And the most famous one is at one point in the movie they're talking about they have these state of the art uh, missiles that'll go. Uh, that'll penetrate Godzilla's skin. Or, if you watch the American version, they describe as, these missiles will go through Godzilla like crap through a goose. Bite bite me's not bad, but the Uh, rest of them are. But the reason I brought it up is because, and I remember this from the original time I saw this movie in theaters, when this movie ended in the original original American release, when Godzilla, when they say their, their dumb line, and Godzilla proceeded to destroy everything... A cartoonish font comes up that says, the end, and then a question mark comes on over it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Toho oh. liked it, man. They they liked it. Um, but um, do you think that they would have put Harrison Ford in the American version? All right. I have a perfect role for Harrison Ford. I actually think I may have a more perfect version, but I want to hear what yours is. All right. I think he's the professor from the university when, you know, dad and the other scientist guy – they were, that was like their class, and he was like their mentor back at the university. And then when they split up, they both separately went to him for advice, and he basically was like, "You have to go your own path, my son." I, I, you know, I think I, I think I got you beat on this one. Okay. I think that he doesn't appear in the Japanese version. I think he appears in the American version as they're re-editing it. And I think we're going back to the original, back to the original American King of the Monsters, to the American nineteen uh, uh, nineteen eighty four Godzilla. Where we bring back Raymond Burr's character Steve Martin again, again, but we're recasting him. We're rebooting the series, so we bring in a new Raymond. We bring in a new Steve Martin played by Harrison Ford. Why wouldn't you have Steve Martin played by Steve Martin? I just don't get it. Well, because this is a serious matter, man. We we can't. We there's no time for yucks. I'm sure at that point in 2000, Steve Martin would have been. I want to take on a very serious role about a Japanese monster movie. Well, if, if if I ever meet him, I would have said, like, where was your mindset back in 1999? <laughs> um, so, I mean, that is pretty much all there is to say about Godzilla 2000. I, I have to admit, I, I, I think this may have slipped down a little bit talking about it. Oh, it's, I'm definitely, like... Listen, I like, didn't, but I didn't like not like it watching no, it. I I don't think it's like awful. It's just slow. It's just slow and like and loses its interesting ideas as the movie goes on. Yeah. Um. And I. I but I, you I, like the kid. I like the kid. I agree. I think it has some somewhat iconic moments, mm-hmm. or I don't even want to say iconic. Just somewhat memorable moments. Like I said, there's like the millennials. I think some of the characters are good. I think the design of Godzilla is probably the most striking thing about the movie. But otherwise, I I think it's a 
And I think it's fascinating to see some of the ways in which it tries to establish itself as a classic modern Godzilla. Um, but ultimately, it, it, it's kind of like a... It's okay. It, it's just like a... It's a fine, like, almost their addition to the franchise. Um, and, I, and I think this will lead into our uh, post-release uh, of the movie. And, and what, is there, what is there really to say about it other than... Um, I think... <laughs> In terms of re- response, well, I don't want to get to that part. Let, let me talk about like the the one thing about this movie is like there was a unproduced sequel that they, that there was actually in a very interesting way that they there was plans that there was going to be an American sequel to this movie or that Toho was open for to that idea happening, um, and that it was actually uh, going to be directed. It was going to be entitled Godzilla Reborn and was to be directed by Joe Dante. Um, of small soldiers fan. Yeah, <laughs> great movie. I will hear nothing about it. Um, the the film would have uh the film actually would have been more in tone with the uh, uh Godzilla two thousand um American re edit, so a little bit more tongue in cheek and goofy. Um, and would have had a uh, Godzilla fighting a giant flying lava monster. Um, but um, ultimately, like there was just remember Sony still doesn't want to like make these right. movies, so they're right. and, they're, and, so, and they're still stinging from '98. And right. like if if '98's not successful, when you give this big push to it, and like you know, Roland Emmerich kind of hot off of Independence Day, mm-hmm. like do you really think a sequel to a foreign film that you're putting out in theaters? you know, and, and giving this goofy re-edit. Like, there, there's got to be that sense of, like, well, this isn't going to be that, you know, well, sure. that and, successful. And it's interesting to think, like, that really all it came down to is, like, Sony just wasn't going to pony up the money for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Toho seemed very, like, okay, yeah, like, we'll do it. Like, it's like, let's, uh, let's go off, let's branch off of our Godzilla rather than just create a new one from scratch. So it's fascinating that it was almost going to happen, but it, it just ended up not happening. It would have been very interesting to see because that would be a very unique, sure, like, way to do a American version of a, of a franchise. 100%. Um, so in terms of the movie coming out, the movie did moderately well in, um, you know, it didn't quite, also that was an event film, Destroyer, but it performed a little bit under Destroyer, but it was because Godzilla's back, but it, it did, it did fine. Uh, it did, it did okay. I don't think it was met with that much critical, uh, uh like praise, but it, in terms of its, uh, box office success in Japan, it did well. Once again, just did not connect, uh, with American audiences and in a very understandable way, I think, when you think about this, it's just it was just so poorly conceived from an American point of view when you think about it. Because they just had their film because they did release uh they did release this film in, in Japan first, which mm-hmm. it was I think I believe was its original nineteen ninety nine release, and then I think it was released in America in two thousand. But when you think about it, they just got off like for America two years later a Godzilla movie that nobody liked. Yeah, and now they're bringing this movie that it's just its look and effects by American standards are just dated immediately. Mm-hmm. So and and especially like I'm sure the re-edits don't help by making it like this goofy like it just. It's not doing any favors to the name of it because yeah. it's like, well, now this is just back to like goofy, subbed over, like monster flicks with like terrible special effects. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that like the special effects in this, like, well, I, I don't know, but it's like, it, it just, 
it's not even a decline in quality. It was just like a weird, like, well, no, what now? What is this? And I think right. that was just kind of like well, the it's just American. Like you know point they can do better. Like the thing, that's the thing about the special effects is that you know they can do better. Because that's true. Yeah, that yeah. you know that like like stuff like Destoroyah and Mothra, like and all those Hasty films look a lot better than this. I mean, all. but on I mean, t- let's be honest. Like even though like the the suit, you, we can always argue the suit over CGI. But if you want to argue on average to the standards of the time. That 98 just has more consistent standard of yeah. visual effects than, oh, yeah, than this movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, you know, and that's just, that, that just is how it is. And, and I think this is time, I think, that we wrap it up by talking about the Millennium series mm-hmm. as a whole as we're moving on uh, with it. Because um, a couple notes, well, the Millennium series, it's got, it's finally Godzilla in the modern era. Mm-hmm. Like, and... And that is one of the major things that I think it, it's a slave to. It's it's a slave to this modern era that is becoming this special effects driven industry. Uh, to this, uh, you know, there were special effects, and I mean, we also kind of talked over. Uh, we got like one of our, even though I think there was technically one in Destroya, but our first like very visible first CGI uh, Toho Godzilla. There's mm-hmm. a scene when he's like swimming under the water, and it's like a CGI shot, but. This is an era where now, like, it's all about, like, you know, the Phantom Menace, and then you're going into, like, you know, The Matrix and Lord of the Rings and, like, all these movies that are just cutting-edge technology. And Die then, another day. Yeah. <laughs> but it's this cutting-edge technology, and it's just that is just not where the focus of the Godzilla yeah. films have been yeah. it's always been more about the suits and and you know you can always say it's like practical but i think just like boiling it down to oh it's practical effects is kind of underselling it it is yeah. it's a whole art form of like how do you make people engage in these suits and the models and how do you how do you like make people like get invested in the believability you know right. like lose themselves in the fight because like i would argue that like even though we were critical of it if you had like the monster fights I th- I feel like there's a little bit like you can even connect with that and see the merit of that. But then when you have like just really bad mat work and mm-hmm. green screens and like CGI like shots that just do Don't not hold work. up. They do not work. Like, it's one, hard. Like, there's like stuff like when there's like there's this big kind of sweeping shot of Godzilla, but it's like clearly green screen. So Godzilla is so far removed from the sure. background that it's just like it just like and there's a couple good shots where it's like Godzilla is like towering over like the 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 skyline or whatever but there's a couple there, there's there's some wolf shots. and and then honestly it is something that you know spoilers but you know since we're talking we have to talk about it it is something that will hurt this millennium series of films and it's just it's interesting because i and there's actually some strong entries i think in this era but it, it's for the first time godzilla is in a really odd place where it is now I feel like with, and we can talk about it at the end, but with Showa and Hasey series, it just kind of felt like that there was this experimental aspect of Godzilla, whether through just, just history it was experimental and circumstance it was experimental, and then there was this very deliberate, like, uh, there was this very deliberate direction with the Hasey films. I feel like with the Millennium series, we are starting, we're going to start seeing that now it's just part of, like, it's just part of the race now. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, it's entering the race with a with a with some arms tied behind its back. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I unfortunately, think, I, I do think it's like interesting because the way that at least I've kind of read it is that Toho's, you know, despite making these you know kind of big monster movies, have always been kind of a 
smaller studio. Mm-hmm. Like even especially in comparison to you know American cinema. Mm-hmm. But like studio, Toho has just been like we've been making these monster movies, maybe distributing other movies here and there. Like I know that Toho has some our hands in like distributing some anime and stuff like that over the years as well. But it just seems like now it's like one of the things where now that these these big CGI and and big special effects movies are kind of taking over Hollywood. It's almost like Toho is trying to kind of keep up with him, but still kind of in that small studio mindset. Sure. Whereas before in like the show and the Hasey era, you could, they could get away and they could work with the fact that they were just doing these, you know, suit monsters and kind of maybe the, you know, these animatronics every once in a while, like kind of things that they could handle. But it just (laughs) almost feels like, and it'll be interesting to see this going forward as they kind of step into the CG and the in the in the mat work and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem like that's kind of be something that they they can gravitate towards. It's something that they can really grasp like how to do. And the, and there's like and there's some aspects of this that um in, of this era like they celebrate a couple of anniversaries. Um, they would actually continue to showcase these movies more as anthology films. So the with the exception of one example. All of these movies are standalones. So unlike the Hasty series, we're not following a continuity anymore. Right. It's a little so. bit more like the Showa era. Yeah, exactly. We're probably like a you know a Godzilla event, maybe something like similar to Fifty Four happened or something. Mm-hmm. It's got to appear at some point. See, no, I actually think in this one it, it is there is more of a conscious era where like as we move forward, each movie is basically a reset. With the exception of maybe the 54 film. Okay. Yeah. Like, because... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's just like... Because I would say that, like, the Showa eras, they were all spiritual successors of this one. Yeah. Whereas I feel like that now we're in an era where it's every director's coming on. And then it's also, like, new voice on each one and then also new effects directors on each one. Right. So okay. in, in I think we're going to find that there's there's blessings and curses in there. And it, it's going to be... It's going to be a very interesting era to revisit. I'll be very interested to see it coming forward. Cool. So that's it uh, for for 2000. Godzilla 2000. Once again, a lot to say, but as we said up top, it's entering a new era, and that deserves a conversation all on its own, and that conversation ends right now. But not forever, because, Nick, the uh, Godzilla Millennium era continues uh, with our next film, uh, which um, I think... I don't know. Our next film, actually, depending on like how schedules line up, may not actually be a Millennium Era. It may be a recent release, depending on when we get the review out. Uh, I mean, uh, it's just it's just so exciting, Nick. You know, we're definitely going to have a, a, a review discussion show about it. We're, we plan on having a pre-show about it that we'll have, uh, I believe, that week, the week of release, like yeah. before. Um, so that's so that's good. So expect that. But then also after that, uh, we'll have our next entry in the Millennium series with Godzilla versus Megaguirus, the second movie in the Millennia franchise. All right, but next time. But next time uh, when we do have an official episode, it will not be a Godzilla uh, episode. It'll be a Bond episode, It'll and we're bon- well, well, well. Actually, um, we uh, we may. Uh, yeah, we're, we'll be going into a different direction now. We don't yes. have an official. Bond, yeah, uh, so film. of course, uh, as we said, Inspector, we are done with the official E online until Bond 25 comes out uh, next year. Um, if it does come out next year, we'll still see how it happens. Um, it will come out next year. Uh, but we do have, uh, before we get to other kind of things I'm planning, I do have a lot of plans for the rest of the, of the uh, Bond side of things. Uh, but first, we do have the two unofficial Bond movies, um, the ones that are not Eon produced. And so next time, we're going to the 1967 Casino Royale, mm-hmm. which, fun fact, just to get you a little bit 
a little bit teased about what kind of movie this is. Had five directors. <laughs> so we're gonna wait. we're gonna get to a very crazy movie, a very crazy production. Cool. All right. Well, if that sounds good for today, Nick, I'm done. You're done. We're done. Plug away. All right. Bonzillapod at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter.com slash Bonzilla007. Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007. Like some subscribe, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Cool dude. I hope you like this episode too. Uh, <laughs> give us that like. Give us that little heart on SoundCloud. Uh, keep them coming, man. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Millennium Series continues. And until then, I bid you adieu. And then, and we're about to we're about to you know get out of here like crap through goose. If you can't take the heat, run. <laughs>